to the Gentleman Ultra podcast and I am not only joined by Emma Gates today, which I'm always privileged to be joined by, but also with David Farini, he's back and he's back with us. And today, I mean, the beauty of this podcast and the beauty of what we were talking about last time is that we can just, and we said, you know, we're not doing any series this week, year, we're not looking at 2022 where we're just bringing things you know, that we're going to do the top set of this, top five of that, whatever. We're just going to talk about what we want to talk about. And so most people, I think, will appreciate this because uh, I know that Emma and I randomly watched a, um, a YouTube video from Ross Howard. We've mentioned him many times on this podcast before, and he certainly will be joining us at some point as well. Um, but we watched um, a YouTube video on Palmer versus Sampdoria. And so we thought, you know what, that team from Palmer from 1994, that was a good team. So we thought, why not do a podcast on it? So guys, I'm not going to talk too much more about it. I'll start with you, Emmett, because you were watching that video. Why do you think this was a good idea? Um, well, I mean, first of all, it's Parma in the 90s. And who doesn't like talking about or reminiscing about Parma in the 90s? I mean, Parma are, for many... You know, if, if you ask just the, the general person, football fan, who grew up in the 90s about the Gazzetta Football Italia era, Parma is probably their go-to team. They were kind of everyone's second team or, you know, or the neutral's favourite because they weren't one of the biggest sides. But it was a combination yeah. of the strip and the players that they had. And in this season, you just, you just look at their squad in that season you know, and you've got Gianfranco Zola, Faustino Vespria, Dino Baggio. Um, and it was just a really, just a, it was a, it was the game itself was really good. I think it ended up being 3-2 to Sampdoria and Sampdoria themselves had a really mm. good side. Um, but I just felt like not a lot has been, well, not recently anyway. The I look back at Parma in the second half of the 90s there hasn't really been a deep dive on it that I can recollect. So I kind of felt like this was a, a great topic to talk about. And again, who doesn't like talking about Parma in the 90s? I think, but this is a good point. And now this is why I'm so happy to have David with us because we always talk about things from an English perspective. And we, anyone who listens to this, a lot of people will be disciples of James Richardson and Football Italia. But we've got to understand that there's a bigger world out there and it doesn't just all revolve around how we grew up in the way back, way back when. Um, and also there's a lot of people who may listen to this, even though they like nostalgia. Nostalgia may be a lot more recent as well um, because we have a certain vintage. And you're right, this Palmer team was immense and they are very, very likable. But David, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you obviously grew up in Australia and how did this... Part, what did it mean to you? Because we just refer to one thing, but for you, it might have been completely different. And so I, I'm, I'm just really curious. Yeah, look, um, thanks for, guys for having me uh, as well. This Palmer side, to me, especially growing up, it was, it was a team that came up from Serie B into Serie A 1990. So imagine today Spezia, bit, this is their second season in Serie A now. Imagine after... Uh, finally getting up for the first time, they finish sixth and then qualify for the UEFA Cup, which is the Europa League of today for those young kids that uh, <laughs> don't know the terminology. But, um, so they, they, they finish sixth. 
they they won a Coppa Italia in their second season. Imagine Spezia winning this Coppa Italia. We just saw that, that the draw was going to have Inter versus Milan in one yeah. of the semi-finals. It's Fiorentina Juventus. Imagine Spezia doing that, or a Sassuolo because they've been around for for a lot longer and, and probably. The equivalent of what you were saying before with everyone's second team in the 90s would have been Parma. Uh, Sassuolo probably is that team that we all like to see do well now uh, or, you know, something similar. Um, and it's it's just simply amazing to see a team like Parma that came up from Serie B after the first couple of seasons, they were already in European finals. They won a Cup Winners Cup. And this is before we're even talking about, uh, uh, we're talking about 94, 95 through to the new millennium. So, this is what they achieved. It was incredible from an Australian point of view and especially following Napoli as a, as a youngster. Uh, it was heartbreaking to see so many Napoli players going over to Parma. You know, your Fabio Cannavaro's and, and uh, Kripa and uh, Gianfranco Zola. But uh, they were the team that all these players wanted to play for. The, the, the players that weren't playing at Milan and Juventus and Inter. You have to remember also chronologically there was a Bosman ruling that didn't happen till 95. So Italian teams pre-95 had to have eight Italians uh, playing for them, just like the English teams did um, in the English First Division and Premiership. So it was a team like Parma coming through. They kept a lot of their core team from that Second Division team as well, like Benarivo and Musi. They played all the way through that decade. So from an Australian point of view, it was also a team that we fancied watching as well. And your Asprillas and your Zolas and your Dino Baggios that came through. Unbelievable. That's my response. Oh, absolutely. And I think you've made a really good point there. And listen, there is going to be maybe a follow-up podcast to this at some point where we'll talk about the beginnings of Palmer and how they got to this point. But as you both made uh, really strong arguments there that this was almost what we're going to call peak Palmer. And it really was because there's a great story before it. There really is. But from here on in, this is when the a generation of people grew up. And I think like David referred to Emmett, you, you put it there. It was their second team because, because they come from almost nothing. It felt like that for, for us anyway, in the UK and Australia, they didn't, you didn't hate Palmer. You just didn't not like them, you know, they, and they did. Yes, there was money behind them. And with Nevia Scala, they suddenly come into this big run. Uh, so I just, I mean, I mean, this season was one that captivated you in particular to do this podcast. And I mean, you mentioned the squad before, and it is fantastic when you go down that list of players. But do you think it's because, I'd also want to touch on, is it not because of the style of football they played as well as the backdrop of the story? Yeah, I mean, they, they weren't a, a, a stereotypical classic Italian side from the time. Like, they scored a lot of goals. I mean, Navio Schiala more or less had a, like a, a, an attacking version of a, a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2 in attack um, while going forward, sorry. And you had Zola and Aspria kind of spearheading the attack. Um, and you have Dino Baggio making you know, lung-bursting runs into the backs later on. And, I mean, Zola, Aspria and Dino Baggio, the three of them made up the majority of the goals that Parma scored in 94-95, and especially in the UEFA Cup run um, to the to, to winning the trophy. Like, Dino Baggio was top goal scorer with six goals in that UEFA Cup run. 
like that's six goals alone in the UEFA Cup. He got five, I think, in the league. He got double figures in all competitions, which is ridiculous for, I think, Dino Baggio at that point was 23, 24. And for a midfielder, you know, in Serie A to post those numbers at that time, you know, you weren't even getting strikers that were getting 11 goals in all competitions in Serie A in the mid-90s, let alone, you know, an attacking midfielder. Um, And it was was arguably Zola's best season for Parma. I think he got 25 or 26 in all competitions. And he was just scoring free kicks from every angle. Like, whenever there was a free kick, it was almost like a penalty. He was just... This is where Zola earned his reputation as one of the best set-piece specialists that Serie A has ever seen. And, you know, it was just Parma was just a real... They were were solid going back uh, at the back, but they weren't rigid defensively in the way that other teams in Serie A were at the time. But going forward, they're just kind of a joy to behold. Got a big question here. And I'm sorry, David, I'm going to give this one to you. But, I mean, look... Is it is it possible to see that the work done by Arrigo Saki, because uh, Emmett mentioned then, and it just stuck in my head, that they weren't the stereotypical Italian team, and neither were that Milan team that conquered pretty much everything. Do you think that it was his style and what he implemented in there that was taken on by others afterwards and by the time we're watching them? And obviously, you know, money money plays a part in football. Of course it does, and it always will. Uh, but by, we, by the time we get to this season, we're seeing almost like the peak not maybe the total peak but we are we're we're in that element of wow okay this is so out there it's an italian team that yes it's got the backstory but two it's got this flow it's got this let's go and we're not going to stop at two nil you know this is about keeping going and do you do you think that more when we talk back i mean emmett mentioned earlier on that more should be made of this team in this era with palmer Yes, definitely. Um, especially, I mean, this period of six or seven years, absolutely, and you know, the whole decade was a, a, a miracle as far as I'm concerned. You mentioned Arrigo Saki. Um, I'm assuming we're talking about um, some of the players called up to the national side, if not Nevio Scala taking them through to Ancelotti's era. Is that what you're No, I was was thinking more when uh, Saki, I'm going back a little bit. I said I wouldn't go back, so I do apologise. But when he he was with Palmer from 85, 87, and and obviously Milan got him as a coach because they knocked uh, Milan out of the Coppa d'Italia. And and, and Berlusconi then, when he came in, had seen him and loved that attacking display. And so that Milan sort of took that on and took it somewhere else, um, you know, and, and, and that's kind of where I was going with it. But again, it's a really good point, actually, that I hadn't even thought of because obviously this coincides, doesn't it, with the, the, obviously the 94 World Cup where it made, it made the final. But I think that just you, you just had this group then of players, uh, Palmer, who for me were different from everyone else. Just, yeah. just completely different. So I think that's where I was kind of going with it. But I don't know. And that's why I think that maybe when we look back at it now, it's nice to put all those pieces together. But at the time, did we appreciate this team as much as we should have? We have to. Uh, I don't, th- I don't think uh, maybe from a, a foreign external point of view outside Italy that it was appreciated as much. Perhaps in England it was. In Australia, it was it was one of those teams that you always feared playing. Like there was so, obviously so many Juventus supporters and Inter and Milan supporters in in Australia. Uh, but any 
Italian football fan. They, I didn't really know any Palmer supporters until 1999-ish, and that was because they were former fans of your Napoli's who were by then in Serie B or, you know, your typical fan like that, that had no team anymore. They didn't want to support one of the big three. So they went to a Parma or a Fiorentina until Fiorentina's demise later on. But um, your Parma was your go-to team if you weren't a, a big three supporter and you wanted to see uh, a, a team give it to, to a Juventus, just like they did in 96, 97. But going back to Arrigo Saki and that national side, I mean, you've got 92, 94 and 98, where I think a quarter uh, for, for, for most of those tournaments, a quarter of the national side was made up by Parma players for Italy. So, um, yeah. you know, we're talking Cannavaro, Luca Bucci, and then Buffon taking over in the national side um, as well and, and taking Bucci's place in the, in the, in the squad of, of Parma itself. And then you've got Izolas, uh, Idi Matteo, and it was it was a you know that that core of the of the Italian national team. Also Benarivo and, and Apolloni and and, and Dino Musi. Baggio. Dino Baggio, yes, of course. We've done a, for those who who are listening to this and haven't heard the Dino Baggio pod, go back in time and listen to that one. Uh, yeah. But you know it and it was an amazing era for for Parma because, like I said before, coming from second division, and all of a sudden in '92 you've got half a dozen uh, players being called up to the national side. 94, they go to USA. They go to England in 96 and then to France in 98. That was how powerful this Parma side was. And everyone feared playing them. And that's, you know, I think they had top six finishes for most of the 90s. It's, yeah, and they did. And I think this is why when we discussed this podcast, I joked last, uh, last time we were on the pod that there was no research done, but I can guarantee there's a little bit done for this one. But the point being is, is what we realised very quickly is that, I mean, I was really interested in the earlier part of Palmerin, but I think the guys made it really clear to me that we can't do this podcast in the normal time frame without looking between a certain period. And, I, and the more we've talked about it in these opening moments has made me realise that this could be a not just a trilogy, but a, an absolute, you know, just a, a six-episode podcast because there's so much to talk about. So to break that down in a little bit, um, obviously we said we'd focused on the peak period between 94 and, and, and the millennium. Emma, um, I'm not meaning to put you on the spot at all, but I absolutely love doing it as always. Um, what's your peak? What's uh, rather than go chronologically, tell me your peak. I'm going to come to you, David. This you got more time to prep on this one, but I mean, for, for, for you, what's where, where the Palmer actually peak? When is that point when we're all watching from this team that we didn't really know that even the Italians probably didn't expect to, to come to where they are? All of a sudden, they're in, like David said before, they're in Europe, they're in everywhere else. I'm literally punching my hands as I'm saying this because it, it was, they were everywhere. It was in, they were in everyone's face. We loved them. When did they peak for you? I mean, it's difficult. I would say growing up, I only got into football in 94, 95. So I was kind of aware of Parma, but not that much. So for me, I probably would say the 98, 99 side, you know, that's kind of, if you go on social media and if you type in Parma, that you, you it's every week I see images or links or tribute articles to the 99 UEFA Cup winning team, you know, Crespo, Chiesa, Veron, Cannavaro, Charam, Buffon. I mean, you could, Dino Baggio, Bogassian, 
you could nearly go through that whole start eleven like auto an autopilot. You know that is kind of that team is yeah. held up as the embodiment of peak Parma. But I think now as I've got older and going back and researching and writing articles, the ninety four ninety five team was just as good in the sense that they pushed. They were winter champions by December ninety four. They were winter champions ahead of Juventus. And then they would subsequently lose ground to Juve in the, the spring of 95. But they won the UEFA Cup that year against Juventus. They got to the Coppa Italia final, but they lost to Juventus. So they were challenging Juve on three fronts. And although in the end, in, in Serie A, they were, I think they finished 10 points behind Juve for the Scudetto, but they could have realistically done a treble, you know, which would have been absolutely huge. And yeah, they came closer to winning the Scudetto a couple of seasons later in the first Ancelotti era in 96-97. But for me, it's either the 94-95 season or the 98-99 season or probably the two seasons which I would hold up as peak Parma. But I think because 98-99 is obviously closer, it's closer to us now than obviously 94-95 is. And that team was more visible, I would say, because I remember the, the, the UEFA Cup final was broadcast on BBC um, and because Parma won in such emphatic fashion against Marseille, it was 3-0, and you had players like you know Crespo, Chiesa, Buffon, I named them all earlier, I think it's either that season or 94-95, but I would probably slightly go toward, more towards 98-99, also because of the kit. Like That kit is held up as one of the greatest Italian kits well. of the 90s. Well, yeah. well, I'm coming back to that shortly, so we'll we'll keep that one on hold. But um, you can probably guess one of my questions later on now. But David, I mean, are, are you are you with them at there on the ninety four ninety five? Are you looking somewhere in the middle or I, the iconic team? I can't fault Emmett's uh, logic there, and uh, I was just nodding my head for most of the time that he was speaking. So, uh, but for me, it's ninety six ninety seven, and that is because they they went all the way with the Juventus for the Serie A Scudetto and they fell short by a couple of points. That 94-95 team with Zola spearheading was phenomenal, no doubt about it, but they did fall well short. For me, in anywhere in that period of of six or seven years, they could have won any number of of trophies and they were always in the running and always dangerous. Um, And it would take a lot to beat Parma in a cup competition. Uh, But for me, that real title run uh, in 96-97, uh, you know, you had your uh, younger players that couldn't even get a look in, like your your Mikalis and and uh, Stefano Fiori, that they all had to leave. You had your, your Dino Baggio's, Kripa still there. Uh, I think Crespo joined that year. Chiesa, um, I'm not sure if he was a top scorer or if uh, Crespo was, but I mean, what what a forward line. Um, you know, mm. your Turams, your Alessandro Melli coming and going. I think he left uh, for Milan as well. Uh, young, around that point, but a young Pippo and Zaggy too. Pippo and Zaggy came in, and yeah. and he couldn't get a run, and, and that just goes to my, my previous point. The players like Mikoli and and Fiore and and Inzaghi, they they did not get a run in his Palmer side. That's how, and I know that they were young, but um, even like uh, Simone Barone, um, that they just could not get a look in. That's how good this team was. Uh, Fabio Cannavaro leading from the back with Turam and uh, Apolloni. Benarivo was there the whole decade. Dino Baggio in the middle, Sensini. Unbelievable team. So for yeah. me, it was at 96, 97. And it was hotly disputed later on as well that Palmer 
thought they had claims to a title later on. We won't go <laughs> into any Calciopoli issues here, but it was it was a similar thing. It was it was heated in, in the Italian press, and I used to always give it to my Juventini mates. Um, you know, you even took that one from Parma, and Parma deserved the Scudetto. Let's go back in time and give it to them. But uh, you, you'd understand that from a, from an Inter perspective, Richard. Um, with uh, I think I don't, you know, the way that Juventus were were robbed uh, of of a couple of titles, and I think one was, was one given to Inter. I can't remember anymore. I, 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 believe, I believe I say no comment, and things are just proven with uh, you know conclusive evidence. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, my point is 96, 97 for me, but I agree with Emmett that 99 team was phenomenal as well. And it was kind of an end of an era. So, But, but I think we have to, uh, that, to, you know, we have to remember like the, the wealth that Parma had at that time. Obviously, you know, it was all built yes. on, you know, yeah. Par- Parmalat's, you know, milk dynasty. Like in the summer of 1995, sure. they, they signed Histro Strauchkoff, who was at the time the reigning Ballon d'Or holder. Like, that is the dream team, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you like they signed him from Barcelona, and such was the strength of Serie A at the time. And the, the seven sisters that Parma could go and sign the reign and Ballon d'Or holder. Like, for younger viewers or younger listeners, like that would be like the equivalent of who, like, yeah, well, uh, I mean, like. Man City had a bit of a legacy before Abu Dhabi came in. I mean, they yeah, were they champions. I mean, they were champions a couple of times. It would kind of be like, it'd be like Villarreal signing Neymar or something, or Villarreal yes. signing Mbappe yeah. or yeah. Sassuolo signing Mbappe or Erling Haaland. You know, Stoutskopf, this was the season after he was top goal scorer at USN 84, the reigning Ballon d'Or holder. And yeah. then Parma bring him in. Yes, he wasn't a success, him and Zola didn't really mesh, but it was just that that move signified just how strong a contender Parma were, both domestically and abroad. And like they go from 93, 94, 95, three years in a row, they were in European finals and then 99. Like yeah, yeah. just such an incredible run. And even then, Stoichkov, I know they didn't mesh when you saw him at the partnership, but he still scored some incredible goals. You've actually set yourself up now, Anna, because I had two really difficult questions and I was going to, I couldn't work out which way I was going to ask you because obviously we are short of time and these questions might bring big answers. So you, you've now got the harder one because you made a really good point about the ownership. And, and as I said again, we could really do this podcast the before the peak and the demise. And we could even probably do another one the rebirth. I mean, they're just such a good story. They, they are. They, you know, Netflix, Mola TV. Just get on it. It's, it's, yeah. it's Carl Kraus, mate. Where's the? We need some funding here. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll do. We'll present it. It's all good. We can do something with it. But no, on a serious note, um, right, I've got, you're going to both have to answer both questions. But Emma, I'm starting with you with this one. Okay. And I can give you a second because I'm going to ask David's after it, straight after it. Why didn't if this is the case, and they're so good, and they were so good for so long, and we can see all of those cup competitions, why did they never win the league? And David, this is a hard one as well. What's the best Palmer kit ever? I'm going to let Emmett take the floor with this, and I know he's going to be angry, and I'll probably get a beauty message <laughs> on WhatsApp, probably as I'm speaking. But Emmett, I think it's a valid question after what you just said. They won it. They were in Europe. They won the Coppa d'Italia. They 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 were in our the forefront of our minds for so long. 
but they always lost against against what we now call the established best. I mean, Why? I mean, it's a it's a difficult one. I mean, you think of so many sides that you know for for all of we eulogize and glorify the 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 Gazetta years. It was it was always Juve or Milan that won it. Like if you think about from 1982 right through to 2002, you basically had Juve and Milan for the most of the decade, and then it was you know it was ended with Lazio and Rome or Roma. Um, yeah. Like yeah. Fiorentina yeah. and Parma always fell short. They were on you know they were always like obviously the Seven Sisters. In reality, they were the Seven Sisters, but not all seven of them had legitimate aspirations of actually winning the title. It was more, I think, hype than anything else. But the closest, probably Parma, aside from the seasons that we talked about, the, Ancelotti is on record as saying that the 90, or Malasani, sorry, is on record as saying that the 98-99 side could have won. They could have beaten any team on their day, but they had a squad of about 14 players. And they were in the Coppa. They won the Coppa Italia that season. So they won the Coppa Italia. They won the UEFA Cup. They basically, they were, I think, by the turn, like Fiorentina were winter champions in 98-99. And I think Parma were second, I think. But basically, they started to lose oh. a bit of form in the league. And they basically decided, look, are we going to be a cup team? Or are we going to try and do well in the league? So they basically preferenced the cups over the league. I mean, they were good enough to beat any. I mean, they beat they beat Juve four two in Turin, and I posted that video of Hernan Crespo scoring a hat trick in that season on our yeah. Twitter Twitter channel the other day. Um, they were good enough, but they didn't have the squad of Juve, Milan, or I was going to say even Inter. And Inter never won a title in those years. And yes, you can say about Maggi and his SIM cards and his phones and his watches or whatever else. But no, Inter, no, in Switzerland, no. Was, yeah, was, yeah, let's go there. Let's talk about that. <laughs> we were terrible. No, we, yeah. we, just bought, we just bought loads of expensive players and didn't bother about defences. A whole other yeah. podcast, which I'll happily talk about. But no, Inter don't, don't, don't deserve to be in that. And that's from an Inter fan. We don't deserve to be in that, you know, yeah. that, that uh, yeah. conversation. You know, I mean, look, it is what it is. And, 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 I think, um, and I think, too, what you, have to, what you have to remember is that Palmer were brilliant. But the standard in Serie A was like generally you are talking you are talking the peak of the sport of football. There is no league in the history yeah, of yeah. football that was as competitive, as strong as Serie A was in the nineties. Parma were brilliant. I think, but I think and Milan were just that bit better. That's simply the way it is. I think is he not ninety four? Maybe only been a season before, but you go down to Serie B and you look at the top scorers. Maybe from ninety two, ninety three, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember, and people can tell me which one it is and tweeters or whatever. But Serie B's goal scorers, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's like Batistuta, Bierhoff, uh, Radicoyu, like Haji Masia in Serie B, like in Zaghi. level good. Yeah, like Italian yeah, it football at that time was off the scale competitive. And so it's 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 it's, it's it, sad it that was. they didn't win it, but I can see why they didn't because at certain times they were unlucky, and other times they preference the cups, and other times the quality was just that slightly bit better. Yeah, completely. I mean, I'm mean, thinking about your kit now, um, David. <laughs> before I come to you, just with, with the kit, the best Palmer kit of that era, I want to just ask you. I I have to say I quite agree with Emmett on that that they did. 
just go for everything. It was kind of the nature of Palmer at the time. But do you think Palmer would be better remembered or more successful if they'd have sacrificed the cup competitions? And, and do you think that we'd still see them in the same way, even if they've only maybe have won, obviously, less Copa d'Italia, less UEFA Cups, Cup Winners' Cups. But actually, they in that 90s bracket, they had a Serie A. How would we see? Do you think we see Palmer differently, or do you still think we'd see them as just this beautiful thing that happened for a period of time? I think we would see them differently if they did win a Scudetto, and that is because, as Emmett said, Serie A by a long uh, way was the best league in the world, and that's why you had your Stoichkovs coming to Palmer from Barcelona, and uh, you know that, that that continued on until probably your two thousand and three four era where. Players like Albertini were leaving Atalanta to go on loan to Barcelona. So you can see the strength of, of what Serie A was. And it was so difficult to, um, to win a title as it was, let alone for Juventus or Milan or, or, or Inter with a Ronaldo, you know, uh, Luis Nazario, the original Ronaldo, to, to go and win mm-hmm. a title and then be denied. But let alone a Parma side who'd only been in Serie B for, uh, so, sorry, Serie A for a few years. And to, to go out there and try and win it, like they had their first genuine crack in that 94 season and they'd only been there for five years. Uh, imagine us talking about now a Spezia or a Sassuolo trying to go out there and, and, and win a Serie A. It's just, it, you wouldn't even have that conversation. Um, you wouldn't even have it about your uh, Fiorentinas or your Sampdorias. So uh, even Roma and Lazio, it's kind of a bit of a, you know, a bit of slap and tickle there. You wouldn't have that conversation. So to, for Palmer to come up in the probably the fiercest ever decade of Italian football, because you have to remember it was the 80s were, were, were probably more defensive, you know, but, but it was more competitive in the sense that a Verona could win it or a Roma. And it was, uh, there was a lot more uh, winners throughout that um, decade with the Annapolis as well. And then Sampdoria coming through. But Palmer to take on the Giants, uh, they did have Palmer up behind them. And they actually came to my hometown of Brisbane and, and bought up our, our local dairy and, and milk. So I was pumped. I was like, yeah, I'm drinking Palmer up milk uh, from the Aussie cows. Uh, but, um, you know, to, to, to go and, and, and harness all the best players from uh, maybe the bottom sort of 12 clubs of Serie A, like your Zolas and your Mellies and Crippers and Cannavaro coming through, and they sort of had this long-term vision. And then they went for, for the jugular in that 96, 97 season to try and win a Serie A. I think they, they gave it a good shot. And, and you know what? Uh, they could have done what a Leicester City did in the Premiership and, and taken that Serie A. They would be uh, much more heavily remembered than what we would remember them for now. But they did win those Cups, and that's the beauty of it. They went into Europe, and they still won something. And back then the UEFA Cup had a lot more prestige about it than a Europa League does now. That's, so, that's also a really good point. Yeah, yeah. it did. It's a lot more prestige. I think we have to have, I think everything's in context and actually what they won. Yeah, that's a very good point in context. They definitely did win something that was absolutely huge. Um, these are quick answers now though, boys, because we've not got a great deal of time. But David, I said I come to you first. You had more time to think about it. What's sure. your favourite partnership? Look, um, be, I'll, I'll open it up. It can be any decade. It can be whatever. I really like the the early '90s white kit with the with the sleeves that had a, a bit of yellow and blue on them, but also that you know that iconic hoop jersey where you remember them from winning things, especially in the late '90s. Uh, you know that was for me probably one and two right there. 
Oh, he's taking two answers. Oh, well, okay, okay. I'll, I'll go with I'll go with the early nineties. I'll go with the early nineties. <laughs> um, Emma, I mean, what are you going to go for? I mean, oh. it's, it's completely completely up to you. It's 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 a difficult one. I love the ninety four ninety five one, um, which, as David said, it's mostly white with like you know yellow and blue trim. I have the ninety five. 96 and 96 97 shirts because they, they worked for two seasons then um i didn't like the 97 98 one which was the f- year with puma uh, the last year with puma didn't like it um but i love the 98 99 one and 99 2000 so yeah any of those <laughs> just they just it was a great it was a great half decade of shirts for parma Richard, he's got six answers there, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, 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 you've got to really get into one. Uh, right, if, if I, I'll go 95, 96, and 96, 97, if you have to. It's the same shirt. Uh, over two for his trouble. For, yeah, for um, his trouble, he should, he should actually take a selfie of him with that jersey on and post it to Twitter. I want to see it. I think so. I think I'll see it. I, I also am going to blush you both out of the water with this one, because I also had a little think. Um, I'm going Gigi Buffon's jersey that was seen on his, I think, debut season. Maybe not the red and white. Do you remember that the, the uh, sorry, red and white, red and blue hoops on it that he also wore in 2021 when he went back there. So it was a double whammy, and uh, no one said we couldn't go goalkeepers. So yeah, always with the goalkeepers. Oh yeah. Red, yeah, the red, yeah. Red, red, yeah, I'm always with the goalkeepers, of course I am. But yeah, that's definitely, definitely one for me. Okay, guys, we've literally got a couple of minutes left, but I just want to ask you one quick question. And this is not a long answer, gentlemen, because I know that this could take us into a second hour of the podcast, which no one wants to listen to. Uh, although we could literally do it. Honestly, this could be a seven-hour pod. Um, favourite partner player from that decade, 94 and 2, 2000, David. Oh, our favourite player. All right, I'm going to have to go Gianfranco Zola. Perfect. Uh, that's, it's, I don't think we need to say too much more about that at all because, yeah, I think Emma was going to say that, weren't you? <laughs> no, not Zola. I wasn't going was to say that. I'm torn. I'm torn between uh, Gigi or Crespo. I really don't know. Uh <sighs> I mean, yeah, we didn't. We never even talked about Buffon's debut for Parma against Milan in November 1985. Like, we never even mentioned that. Like, that happened. Yeah. That's a legendary watershed moment, and we you just didn't have time, Emmett. Yeah, we just like there's just so much in this decade or this like half decade to talk about for Parma. Like, you know, we talked about Stoutskov or whatever. Sorry, Emma, I was going to say, it's a good point. If we talked, honestly, and this is for the listeners, and if they want it, they can tweet us or whatever. If we talked about Palmer from when Saki was there in 85, 82, 87, if memory, I can't remember the dates, to all the way through the glory years, the early years, the glory years, the demise, the rebirth, and where they are now, how many hours of podcast would that be? And I think that says a lot about Palmer. I mean, what are we talking there? That that, 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 days, that, that, that would be a 10 part like series, yeah. like in each episode an hour. Like that is a lot of that 20 percolators worth of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so what's your final answer you player then, Emmett? Uh, ba, ba, ba. okay, I have to go Buffon just because he 
even like when it, when he started to cut his sleeves off, like he was just cool, and he had the hair, and he had the Superman yeah. T-shirt. Like to me, it's not peak Buffon, but it's peak Buffon in terms of like a fashion icon, like just looking like a yeah a cool bastard. I, like that was Buffon. I I find it hard not to go Buffon. I mean, uh, what when did a spray leave? A spray a little too early with a spray. No, Newcastle ninety five ninety six. 96 and then yeah. he came back again in 98 so 95. In 94 95, he was so good. So I'd be tempted to go for him. Like, so I, I, I was so watching, I was watching the goals in the build up to this, and his goal against Lazio, it's one that you always see in the Like, it's unbelievable. He takes what he could, the ball is pinged into him and he controls it, it bounces up, he knees it and swivels and volleys it into the top corner. It was at the Tordini, if I remember rightly. Against Lazio oh, and Nagy for Unbelievable. Different level. That goal on its own deserves its own podcast. But we <laughs> should, I'm going to call it now, there should be a Gigi Buffon podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Only what, just in his palm years or for everything? Because again, uh, uh, that's uh, a 10 pass. In his 64 year career, let's do it all. <laughs> so, yeah. 64 years. So, so, what we're asking the listeners really is, would you prefer 10-part series, which, look, we've got many, or three-hour podcasts? Hmm. Just like Joe Rogan does, three hours. Yeah, let's do three hours. I'm up for that. I tell you what, we'll, 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 we'll see what, when we release this podcast, we'll put a Twitter poll up and see what the listeners think. If they want yeah. longer or multi-part, let, we'll it. put it to the people. We're dem- democratic podcast here at TGU. Do they want marathon men or do they want wham bam? What do they want? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I know we've got one vote for longevity, Emmett, and that's going to be Frank. Shouts, Frank. <laughs> Shout out to Franco. <laughs> Francesco. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Twitter. Grazie. Okay, tell you okay, what, Richard. Right, guys, we are Hold on, before go. we go, before we go, before we go. Richard, what's your favorite oh. Parma shirt? I'm turning this around on you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I still, I still, I'm going with that. I do think the Buffon one is definitely one uh, that I would go for, but um, the one, oh, and I know it's the obvious one. It's the one that pops up everywhere. It's the the blue and the yellow um, stripes. Hoop, sorry, that most people often who don't really look at Palmer get confused for the home shirt, and it's been used for the goalkeeper shirt. It's been reproduced. Uh, it, it's got to be that. It's Palmer, isn't it? In a nutshell, it's it's just yeah, Palmer's Palmer. Like that. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. I know that's a boring thing, but sometimes things are iconic because they're iconic. And um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's incredible. And uh, yeah, it's so many memories with Palmer. So many guys. And sorry to cut it short. I wish we had longer. I really do. Um, but Emmett. Um, David, thank you so, so much. Um, is, there, is there anything just before we go? Just tell, in fact, just quickly before we go, where can the, any one of the listeners find you? See, Because you both do brilliant work in different ways. And please just uh, let the guys know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter Emma. at Emma Gates. Okay, and, and and that's it for Emmett. Thanks, Emmett. Um, uh, as for David, you can find me also on Twitter 
and uh, I'm, I'm probably liking most of the things on on both of these gentlemen's walls so uh find me on twitter also uh commentary of Serie A, Serie B. and i just want to mention for those who want to relive the palmer glory years buffon is back at palmer as you all know they're in Serie B. they need some support so make sure you tune in or, or get online and, and support palmer as much as you can let's get them back in and maybe they can rekindle another decade coming up from Serie B. And maybe they can win something in Europe again, or even a Serie A title, defeating Juventus or Inter. That's what I want to see. So let's go. Emmett, that's how you leave the podcast. <laughs> you miss just Emmett Gates. <laughs> well, you asked the question, where can you find me? And I answered the question on Twitter at Emmett Gates. What? <laughs> Well, I'll say for you, Emmett does some fantastic work, not only for the Gentleman Ultra, but for Forbes as well. So go and look him up because his articles are spectacular. So Supreme. Supreme journalism. There you go. There there you go. <laughs> All good boys. And Richard, where can we find you? Where can we... Oh, I, uh, you'll find me. I plaster myself everywhere like a merciless whore. No one cares. Uh, you'll, <laughs> I'll, pop up, I'll pop up everywhere. Only fans. Um, I'll at everyone. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, not- full denial. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not like I'm not certainly not to like to say it, considering. Uh, yeah, listen. No, for, for me, I reach all eighty. Do a little bit on the Inter podcast, and of course with Gentleman Ultra, which we will try and do more consistently. So, right from everyone here, that's um, ciao for now. Good answer. <laughs>